What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening to us on whatever platform that may be. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show. That really helps out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we are finally going to dissect the Lakers' offseason moves. To help us do that, we are going to be joined by a very special guest making his return to the TSK Show. Our special guest is none other than Harrison Fagan. Harrison is the editor-in-chief of Silver Screen and Roll, which is the SB Nation affiliate for the Lakers, and we'll get his thoughts on how the season ended for the Lake Show and everything else that has gone on since the offseason began. All this and more on episode 207 of the Sports Kingdom Show, coming up right now. What is going on, everybody? We are back. Welcome to episode 207 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me as always, Shelton's very own Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How are you, man? I missed you. Good, man. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Yes. Uh, doing good, dude. The weather's fucking perfect. You know, it's summer. It's like middle of August. Yes. No real complaints out in LA. No, it's been it's been getting hot out here in LA, but we we've been enjoying the sun. Uh, I got some shots up yesterday with uh, with our buddy Corey Golov. So yeah. that was that was nice. That was fun. Uh, we are back. After a week off, uh, after some scheduling things that came up, we we apologize. I know this has been a highly anticipated episode, and so I mean, hey, we went 83 weeks as a show <laughs> putting out an episode. That's crazy. 83 straight weeks putting out an episode. So sorry we had to take last week no, off because of some scheduling things that's came a wild up. One. Yes, but uh, real quick before we get to our special guest who who will be joining us soon. Uh, we have to recap real quick where we left off with the Olympics because the Olympics have concluded and Tyler, the U S did end up on top in the medal count, a total of 113 medals, 39 gold, which was tops in the world. So another one overall, a successful games for the United States. And once again, men's and women's basketball reign supreme with the men securing their fourth straight gold medal, the women securing their seventh straight gold medal, the men beating the French in their rematch in a very competitive game, and the women beat the Serbians in dominant fashion, as they always do. Yeah, the USA women's national teams, like the team sports, they just crush. Yes. Carly Lloyd just uh, retired, one yeah. of the great uh, U.S. women's national yeah. team soccer players, so uh, shout out to her. And USA women's soccer is not like men's soccer. I mean, we're we're the top of the, we're the top of the food chain. Yes, 
And in basketball, serves us again. Yes, and there was a there shout was out a, Sue Bird. What Brianna, a winner she is. Brianna Stewart, Diana Taurasi, yeah. Asia Wilson. Yeah, the whole squad. Yeah, the whole squad, and the three on three squad. Yeah, the three on three women's won gold, and the men didn't even make the tourney. No, they didn't make the the medal round. Unfortunately, they didn't make the they didn't make the Olympics. Oh, I thought they did make. No, they did make the. Olympics. No, they didn't. Not I in three. They did. on, no, not in three on three. They didn't make. They threw out some weak ass Robbie Hummel and a couple Ivy League guys. Interesting. And didn't even make. Didn't even make the Olympics. Should have threw some big three guys out there. Yeah. Oh, I I think that we've we've seen enough with the way we've handled our three on three process. Um, we're definitely gonna put a more competitive squad out there. Robbie Hummel cannot be your franchise player. <laughs> uh no robbie almost taking ricochet shots over yeah here. i'm sorry i'm sorry robbie uh uh but yeah shout out kelsey plum yeah uh, and uh and the three on three team yes um it was um did you see the javel mcgee clip from his youtube that came out earlier today of greg popovich uh in the locker room after the game no oh tyler you gotta hold on I'm what, just, what I'm, did pop what did pop do I'm just going to bring it up live for him right now. <laughs> oh, no. Hold on. Because it's great. Pop, like, went at all the, the doubters. And, I mean, listen, this, this Team USA men's basketball team went through some stuff that not many just other a, just... Olympic teams had to go through with three guys getting COVID before the games, three guys showing up at 1, 1 a.m. day of game from playing in the finals two nights before. But all right, I got the Greg Popovich clip. I'm just gonna put it up. It's on my phone, so I'm just gonna I'm doing this on the fly. So I'm just gonna put it up to the microphone. But it's Let's it's Greg Popovich in the locker room talking to Team USA after the gold medal game. <laughs> yeah. he's a he's a class act he's the man and i mean listen realistically a gold medal as yeah. the head coach of team usa was realistically one of the only things left on greg popovich's resume yeah i mean he's he's goaded forever even before this you know he's a top five coach ever but he I, might I, be a mount rushmore coach who knows i mean i know he got the woodens and jackson our back popovich phil, phil jackson's I don't know about the other guy you said, but 
Red Auerbach? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, some say. Yeah. But, yeah, Pops as good as they come. And, and I know that uh, he wears the, the the colors proudly, and he does them, does them justice, you know. He, 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 gets, he goes out there and, and represents for us very well. Uh, I don't know if there's any other guy I'd rather have coached Team USA. Yeah, so – it was uh it was a a great ending for for team USA after a rocky start and like i said at the beginning of this at the end of the day men's and women's basketball once again reign supreme reign supreme in the world yeah and and it's it's by a good margin too yeah so all right we got a lot to get to because tyler tonight we're going to address the state of the lakers yeah and we got a very special guest to help us do that but before we bring him on we have to let you know that this episode of the sports kingdom show is sponsored by j diamond estates for all of your real estate needs here in the los angeles area contact jacob diamond at 818-451-8539 or you can check out his website jdiamondestates.com dre number 020-68311 come on you're getting paid ask something final seconds you take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. Joining us on the Sports Kingdom show right now, one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter for anything Lakers, the editor-in-chief for Silver Screen and Roll. You can follow him on Twitter at HM Fagan and at Lakers SBN. Making his return to the Sports Kingdom show, Harrison Fagan. Harrison, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show with us tonight. No, I mean, thank you guys so much for being, you know, bearing with me uh, with uh, my schedule over the last couple of weeks. I feel like I've had to cancel on you like at least seven times. So I appreciate you uh, understanding that I was not blowing you off. And I'm just very, very bad at planning my life around this time of year. No, you're good. We understand that even in the off season, uh, basketball is still a, a year round sport. And as the editor in chief of Silver Screen and Roll, you, you got a lot to a lot to cover uh, this off season. So. It's I'm sure you've you've had your hands full. And we, like I said, we, we appreciate you taking some time tonight to talk with us. And uh, we're, we're excited to have you. Yeah, no, I'm happy to do it. I mean, when you told me before we went on air that the last time we talked was February, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, there's a there's a lot's happened since then with uh, with this team. So to be specific, uh, the last time you came on the show was February 11th and the Lakers were 20 and six. Now I'm not going to sit here and blame you or, or say you jinx the Lakers. I'm just I'm just laying out the truth for the people. <laughs> but we all remember what happened on Valentine's Day just 3 days later with Anthony Davis getting hurt and the roller coaster that was the rest of the Lakers season from trying to stay afloat in the West as AD and Braun both miss extended time to making it to the playing game against the Warriors and then obviously losing to the Suns in the first round. So I, I want to know from, from your perspective, is it as simple to say that the injuries are what derailed the Lakers season or were there other contributing factors you can point to that led to the Lakers early playoff exit? 
so I, I think it is that simple in terms of why they went out during the playoffs, because, you know, I, I think if Anthony Davis is healthy, that that's a different series. We saw that the first three games, you know, yeah. before he ended up hurting himself. And so I think, yes, like if we're talking about early playoff exit, then absolutely. I think it was injuries. You know, it just you mentioned the the Valentine's Day injury, but that just never really fully went away and was bought. And then he, you know, he ended up having the uh, the groin issue during the playoffs. And, you know, it, it just it, it, he was clearly. I think extremely hampered more, more so maybe than anyone by that shortened off season and the long run the year before, and just kind of the unprecedented circumstances of this year. Now, if you're asking me, you know, why did the Lakers kind of not live up to their potential or why did they completely overhaul this roster? I think the (laughs) reasons for that are obviously deeper than, you know, the early playoff exit and Anthony Davis getting hurt. But yeah, I mean, we might be having an entirely different conversation right now. Had he been healthy and who knows, I I don't know if they would have run the team back I think if you get the chance to acquire Russell Westbrook especially for a team like this and an organization like this run by a GM like this who is also always worshipped at the altar of stars I think they're always going to look heavily at that but I do think that their season would have been a little bit different and you know I I think the Sun season would have been very different and the conversation we were having around that team would be a lot different had the Lakers you know not been so snake bitten with injuries. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think a lot of people lost a lot of money and people lost their jobs because Ant wasn't healthy. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's or at least ended up on a different team because Anthony Davis was not healthy. Yeah, I think that there's, you know, at least three to five guys maybe that come back for the Lakers this year if they win the title. Yeah, uh, honestly, possibly including Dennis Schroeder. He he was really good those first couple games, or not the, all of the game. I think it was it was either game two or three. He was actually pretty strong alongside AD, uh, and then obviously you know lost himself a lot of money. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Anthony Davis. I'm injury. pretty sure it was game three when they went up two one in that series. But that, yeah, it was two or three. I'm not like not. You may be right. Schroeder, but, Schroeder lost a lot of money because well, of Ant Davis's health. I was going to save Schroeder for a little bit later, but we might as well get into it since yeah. since you brought him up already. Uh, and so, I mean, what do you make of that whole scenario, Harrison? I mean, he reportedly turned down the four years, $84 million midseason, that, that extension that the Lakers reportedly offered. I don't, I don't know if you know if it was officially offered or not with, with your insight, um, but I know that there were reports of it but then it it comes out that he wanted a hundred plus million dollars and that's why he turned down that money and then he ends up signing for i believe it was 5.9 with the celtics for only a year after the market completely dried up yeah i as far as the offers and stuff i I can't personally like uh, vouch for those but it's been reported by so many different insiders at so many different outlets that uh, to me there's just no way that that's not true you know like everyone seems to understand that this was both what dennis i mean when the head of your basketball federation the guy in charge of basically you know germany's jerry colangelo comes out and says the reason dennis schroeder is not playing for our national team is because we couldn't get him 100 to 120 million in injury insurance like there's only one reason you're asking for that much in injury insurance to play for your national team right yeah it's because you think that you're going to make that much in free agency and so i think that that is as official as official can be 
the four years 84, I, I think I, I would be shocked if that was not actually offered. I mean, it, you know, the fact that he never disputed that he was offered that he just said that he wanted a fair offer and wanted to test free agency kind of also leads me to believe because, you know, if people were just like, hey, why did you turn down, you know, that X amount of money? You know, if that was not actually how much he, would, he was offered, he would say something about, oh, I'm not sure how true that is. Or, you know, you, you can tell when guys are, you know, when these reports are either a little off or a little exaggerated or whatever, based on their responses, especially when it's in season like that. So I, I very much believe that he was offered that money. I don't know, obviously, if that was him or his agent kind of driving the let's turn it down, let's go to free agency. Based on his responses, it very much seemed to be him. He believed he could get more than that. Now, whether that's his agent telling him that that's possible, whether that's really because he just wanted to test the market like he said he would, I don't know. It's it's hard to kind of parse a lot of this stuff, but whatever wherever it came from, either himself, his agent, both, he obviously had an extremely overinflated sense of what the market for him was going to be. And it's like, it feels like kind of everyone, but his camp knew, especially by the end, you know, obviously the Lakers, if they win a title, then maybe they're having a different conversation with Dennis Schroeder as far as extension talks or re-signing talks and whatever. But after they went out in the first round, you're kind of looking at the point guard market. You're looking at how few teams have cap space and you're like, I'm not sure that Dennis is going to, you know, when the when the music stops, that he's going to have a chair to sit down in. And that's exactly how it played out. Yeah. You know, the the moment of that whole saga to me was Mark Stein in one of his like green rooms or something. Somebody tweeted out the quote, but, you know, he was just basically like saying like, it's tough. It's like you're watching, you know, a car crash like happen in real time or something like that. And it's like, or like, I don't think he said car crash, but he's like, it's just tough to watch. And it's like anytime one of the most, plugged in insiders in the league is describing your free agency as if they have just witnessed a grisly murder or like walked <laughs> in and like seen one of their loved ones killed. Like that means that it did not go as you were probably hoping that it would. And yeah, it was, it, it was honestly, it was hard to watch, you know, as much as I think Dennis did this to himself and, you know, I, it, it's hard to have too much sympathy for a guy that's still going to be making like $6 million next year. <laughs> he and his family are very much going to be okay. This wasn't because of some injury or he's never going to be the same again, but it, it is, you know, just in the sense of like almost that cringe level of office humor where it's like you are uncomfortable by how poorly this is going for someone that you are watching and you're watching this like really uncomfortable moment play out in real time. Yeah. And I mean, listen, as a fan, I think a lot of fans, especially in the first half of the season, were encouraged by what they saw from Schroeder and were, Absolutely. Kind, of, and were kind of receptive to bringing him back. But as the season went on, and obviously it came out, like when when he signed with the team, there was the conversation of, is he going to start or is he going to be the six-man role? What was his role going to be? And obviously he was vying for that starting role because it's like, no, I've spent my time as a six-man. I want to prove myself as a starter now. But as the season went on, and I know he got COVID, I believe twice. Um, yeah, so like his it's, season was it's, insane. It was such you a could, roller coaster. You could not make it up. He comes into the defending champs and says, "Oh no, I'm starting." Like after almost winning six man of the year the year before, as a new addition new to again the defending champions, says that he's going to start. He comes in, he gets put in that he plays really well, gets put in the health and safety protocols, comes back, blasts the NBA health and safety protocols, gives an interview a couple months later where he implies that both he and LeBron are not vaccinated, and then. And 
after that, a couple weeks later, gets COVID, turns like it turns that right before this had turned down the $84 million extension, comes back, doesn't quite look like himself. And then in the playoffs, it spends the final day before their elimination game taking Lakers starting point guard in and out of his Instagram bio while saying he just wants an offer to be fair. And yes, I want to return, but I just want to look at what free agency has for me. It was just a truly wild up and down gear you know it, it's and funny when call we were of going duty through... in the middle of a playoff game say that again and playing call of duty and posting it on instagram in the middle of a game i i, I wasn't sure if it was a it wasn't a playoff it was game. not a playoff game but yes i do remember this yeah yes. he was he was on streaming on call of duty that's during... what yeah, really just, turned me off there were a lot of these moments where oh and then uh, never forget when he came back it was later reported that he had COVID as kind of everyone knew but he he comes back from having it and then it's like no I didn't get vaccinated but also I can't get it again and also I didn't have it and it's yeah. just this like bizarre train of decision making and public statements and it's honestly it's not that hard like obviously people are criticized Rob Polinka a little bit for like oh like you know, he offered him 84 million. Like how lucky is he that that did not get accepted at the time? And, you know, I think at the time it was fair to offer it because, you know, obviously they weren't sure what options would be available to them this summer. And also everything he did after that, including turning down that money makes you wonder if he's the type of person that you want to commit that type of money to. Yeah, exactly. And then one last sort of jab at Schroeder before we move on. I mean, posting himself in number 17 in a Celtics uniform when John Havlicek's number is retired up in the rafters already was definitely very comical as a Laker fan. I did not even realize that he had done that. I, that's hilarious. I saw that. <laughs> I saw Keith Smith, uh, NBA capologist, like some Celtics fan is like, is there a chance they unretire that for Dennis Schroeder? And he's like, my guy, what? No, what? not for John Havlicek. And listen, not, this is coming from a Laker fan, but yeah, really. Let's be real. No, I, I honestly did not realize that Dennis himself had posted that. That's hilarious. Yeah, he posted it on his Instagram story. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sounds like Dennis needs some better people around him. To be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, so not hard of, to, so uh, this... it's not hard to infer that after how this has gone. <laughs> so, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, my conspiracy theory, and I don't think that this is what happened because we would have heard about it by now. But when it was like a week into free agency and we had heard next to nothing on him, I'm like, did he just like fire his agent? Like why we've heard no leaks about yeah. teams even being interested. Yeah. Like, did he just realize that the market had collapsed and just fire him on the spot? Like, I don't, and apparently that is not what happened, but yeah, it was, it was so, it was so bad that you could plausibly believe that he had fired his agent during free agency and was searching for a new one. Like even while teams were still hunting for players. Yeah. So, all right. Dennis Schroeder is now a Celtic and he, will now be on the other side of that rivalry. But the Lakers had to obviously replace him because they knew that they weren't going to be going after him once uh, the season ended. I think once everything kind of shaked out the way it did, um, and obviously, as you said, after a week into free agency and we heard nothing, I think it was clear he wasn't coming back to the Lakers. But another theme with the Lakers, I think, Harrison, in I think terms of roster building recently has been them signing players to short-term deals to maximize cap flexibility each year. And like you already said earlier, when the season ended, I think there were a lot of questions about what this roster was going to look like going forward. And I just want to know, how surprised were you when you finally heard that the Russell Westbrook trade was going down and it was reported as the first major move to constructing this new team going forward? 
So when I when you know when the news broke, I was not I wasn't shocked that it had gotten done. I was kind of shocked by the timing of it because it sounded like all reports were that it was very close to happening for a Buddy Healed deal. But you know I I've been hearing for weeks that you know the rust thing was a very very real possibility, and so I was not surprised when they started to get linked to him and when you know those like kind of leaks started to come out that it's like oh they had dinner together they did this and that like they're trying to you know so it seemed like the writing was kind of on the wall for this move for a while i just was the only thing that surprised me was that it happened right after it had basically leaked like that uh, the, a buddy healed deal was like all but done and so at that point you're like oh maybe like the rest thing isn't happening they're going to kind of more run it back just add some more shooting that kind of thing uh but then it's like five you know 10, 15 minutes later, the Lakers are in advanced talks to acquire Russell Westbrook. Then, you know, two or three hours later, it's done. And, you know, all the pieces are agreed upon and the deal is happening. So it, that part of it was kind of a roller coaster. But I was not surprised by the addition necessarily, just because it seemed like that was very much what LeBron and AD wanted. Yeah. And I think realistically, I think the Lakers had plans to take a, at least a big swing this offseason at somebody clearly there were the the rumors of dame and his frustrations up in portland we knew washington was deciding between either keeping bradley beal or trading bradley beal and keeping russell russell westbrook and trading russell westbrook and there were a bunch of other big names that the lakers possibly could have taken a, a swing at and they ended up on russell westbrook so what are you most excited about adding russell westbrook to this team and then also what is your biggest concern and i want to know your thoughts before the rest of the roster got filled out. Yeah. So my thoughts were definitely a little, like I would say slightly more pessimistic on it than they are now, even now, but because of just, we had no idea where they were going to find shooting or what that was going to look like. And then they obviously filled that out very well. But e even before they did that, I think I was one of the more optimistic people covering the Lakers about the rust deal, or at least on Lakers Twitter and things like that. It seemed like <laughs> people were very down on the deal and I get it. Like a lot of Russ's kind of advanced efficiency numbers things have not been good in a long time. He's obviously a polarizing player just in the sense of his shot selection and, you know, kind of the, you know, waxing and waning, shall we say, commitment to defense, depending on what his role is there and all of that. But I think, you know, I, I think that he was, you know, barring the Dame and Beal moves that you kind of talked about, which obviously, you know, I think, look, the Lakers would never admit this now, but I think if those guys were available, or Dame even now, they'd probably admit, it. But like, if those guys were really available, like they'd rather have those guys. I don't think that this is some big secret, but what really was seemed to be available to them as those guys kind of recommitted to their franchises was that, you know, it, it doing some kind of sign and trade for Alonzo Ball or for a Kyle Lowry or for, you know, like Chris Paul. And obviously Chris Paul started to seem more and more pie in the sky as the Suns went further and further. But, you know, they, you could talk yourself into a world where if the Suns, you know, lose in the second round or something, maybe Chris Paul is looking, you know, at his future in Phoenix a little differently. Does he try to sign and trade his way to L.A. or something? But the disadvantage of all of those scenarios that is an advantage of what Russ offered the Lakers was you would basically have had to completely gut your team and only sign minimum guys. You wouldn't have had the taxpayer mid-level. You wouldn't have been able to go over the cap to re-sign your own free agents. You would have been hard capped or the Lakers would have. 
had they done Pinkus. a sign and trade for one of those other guys. And so trading for Westbrook, you essentially get a supersized kind of version of Schroeder, a supercharged version of Schroeder, because, you know, I, I think people were up on the Schroeder move more so when it happened because his three-point percentage had been really good the year before. But obviously that did not carry through to this season with the Lakers. And so, you know, if you're looking at him versus Russ, Russ is basically like a quicker, more athletic, more physical and taller Dennis Schroeder. Yeah, and so faster, if you're willing stronger. to commit all of this money to Dennis, then, you know, you probably would be, then Russ makes a lot of sense. And in a lot of the same ways, in terms of secondary ball handling, kind of maybe helping stabilize some of those kind of wall, units while LeBron is on the bench. So I think in terms of being a guy that like kind of helps them double down on their bigger, stronger, faster, we're going to just kill teams in transition, try to get stops, have big kind of switchy athletes and, you know, just really uh, making sure that those LeBron, you know, uh, the units where LeBron is on the bench with just AD, you know, now with Russ partnered with him, I think that that's really going to benefit Anthony Davis and Alex Regla for silver screen and roll had a great story on this up on our site. This might finally be the first LeBron James team ever that doesn't just completely fall off a cliff when he sits. And so from that perspective, you know, I think I'm excited and I think the move will be great. And I think that it's doubling down on a lot of strengths and their own identity. I think the only concern is the same concern that everyone else has brought up is does he do do they have enough shooting to put all three of those stars on the court when it matters and if they can't how does like russ handle it if he's not on the court closing a game like i don't think that that's going to happen and so that makes you think like okay well if they can't figure out ways to get by despite kind of maybe only having like two plus shooters on the floor with those guys and a small ball unit then that's where the concerns start to come in yeah, I mean, I think definitely the three-point shot is, like, really the only concern I have um, yeah. with Russ. I mean, he does everything. He makes the team more versatile, like you said. I mean, it, it's – I'm a big Russ fan. I think that uh, – I also think that guys lock in a little bit differently when they're with a LeBron. Maybe he's not so sporadic and inconsistent on defense. Uh, he's a great rebounder. Um, the Lakers get even better on rebounding when they're already an elite rebounding team. Uh, he'll help close possessions that way. Um, and then, you know, it, it might be different having wide open shots. You may not have to shoot his threes off the dribble with this team. Maybe he gets some more open set shots. Well, and I think I I think they're realistically, the Lakers aren't going to be relying on him to shoot. I think the one of the biggest things that they address. Does he understand that, though? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's where, that's, that's where, a very good point. That's where I think playing with LeBron and having a shot at a title is really where he, he does. Yeah. Like but I think one of the things that they're obviously addressing, and Harrison, you kind, you kind of mentioned this, is adding that secondary ball handler alongside LeBron to take that pressure off LeBron and just opening up the lanes to let LeBron fill as like a, a natural forward that he is. And same, same with AD just running up and down the floor like and how athletic he is. I think it's going to add another dynamic to this team that they, they were missing like you were saying, Harrison, how Russell Westbrook is just a bigger, faster, stronger version of Dennis Schroeder. And then also you mentioned how you were more optimistic than, than some other people covering the Lakers and on Lakers Twitter. And I can I can definitely vouch for that because uh, I see most of your stuff uh, on Twitter. But I I also tweeted when the trade went down, I said, analytics be damned. You can't tell me that a team with LeBron James, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook on the same team doesn't send a shiver down the rest of the league's spine. 
Yeah, no, I mean, certainly other players are, I think, going to have a higher view of this than NBA Twitter, you know, which is like <laughs> kind of a contest to see who can try to outsmart themselves the fastest, I think, a lot of times. And so, like, again, do I think that their fit is seamless? No, like they're all going to have to figure it out. But, you know, you guys mentioned the rebounding and Russ doing that, I mean, and getting him an extra playmaker and those things. And so, you know, if Russ is the one getting the rebound and it's like LeBron and AD are running the wings on a fast break, you know, a, a lethal kind of fast break team, you know, just got a whole lot more dangerous and, you know, they're going to be really fun to watch. I think that this is exactly, you know, we, all of the guys that joined the team kind of talked about, we're excited to play with LeBron, AD and Russ, you know, and I think that you do open yourselves up to getting a better quality of player when they see, okay, three stars, we really have a chance to ring chase, that kind of thing, than maybe necessarily you would have, you know, had you just had LeBron and AD. And obviously Rob Palenka in the front office would understand how much of a factor that really is in guys' decision-making better than I think any of us on the outside can. But I certainly don't think that it hurt in terms of helping them kind of flesh out the rest of this roster and getting guys to maybe take a little bit less for a chance at a ring and choose this place versus another contender. How good of a chance do you think Russell Westbrook has to average his fifth triple double for a season? I, I mean, you'd have to think a decent one, right? Yeah. Because, you know, they, it's obviously his scoring is going to take a backseat, but it's not going to fall below 10 points a game. And you'd think that he'd have a little bit more, you know, the Lakers play, have played pretty good defense in the past. We'll see. I don't think that they're going to be as good this year, but they should still be good. So that that's some stops. That's some rebounding opportunities that gets them there. And then assists, they have enough shooters that you would think that he'd be able to get, you know, close to 10 assists a game. That might be the one where, you know, it, it, he kind of, feels that having LeBron alongside him the most and kind of suffer statistically quote unquote there. Um, but so that would be the only danger to me, but I, I do think that in terms of rebounding and points, I'm not really, if anything, it'll help his rebounding. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, he's kind of an insurance policy. If Anthony Davis is in street clothes. Oh, or yeah, yeah, or really, if LeBron has to sit out and or, it's in street clothes because, you know, one of the factors in all of LeBron's teams always sucking when he goes to the bench is that it's like you build the system around LeBron. You don't probably have anyone else on your team that can replicate what he brings. And Russ is like, Russ is basically diet LeBron. He's like a shorter LeBron. And yep. so, you know, in terms of, again, he, he's obviously not as good, has not had that level of career, but in terms of replicating the style of play that they play with LeBron while he sits on the bench, Russ probably gets you as close to that as any player in the NBA. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now don't. It's don't, a good insurance policy. I mean, injuries are a thing. Don't mind Tyler saying street close hey, Harrison. Hey, uh <laughs> Hey, he's dead. No, I mean, it's just like, look, it's like the Nets last year. You know, had James Harden not gotten hurt, they were still looking pretty good with just two stars in hey. the conference finals. And it's like, Bingo. if you have three, you know, it is really an insurance policy against one of them going down. For sure. And I mean, listen, if Kevin Durant had half a size shoe smaller, it would have been different. Yeah, then they might be in the finals and where they, maybe they win a ring. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah, I mean, all this stuff, because they would have beaten the Hawks, certainly. Yeah. Now, all right, before we move on to how the rest of the roster filled out after the Westbrook trade was reported, uh, I want to know what you think uh, about Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell Pope's legacy uh, and, like, how it should be or how fans should should remember their time as Lakers. And then I, I don't know if you – I think you saw the, the Lakers for Life post on Twitter yesterday. I, I want yes, your thoughts on that. 
Uh, I, I think that whoever put Montrez Harrell, Andre Drummond, and Dennis Schroeder in the same tweet deserves a raise uh, from the <laughs> Lakers. That was that made me laugh very hard. And they can they can, they have plausible deniability because they're like, look, we just put the people who won titles in the first one, and then we put two other kind of like lesser known guys in the last one. So it's like we were just you know putting putting them in their tiers, talent tiers. Yeah. Uh, and like how long they had been with the team. But yeah, I I think the message there, as was the message in Rob Palinka's press conference where, or in his statement on adding Russell Westbrook about like how only certain guys have the mentality to play point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I don't, that line. I don't think that either of those things were accidental in terms no. of appearing to be subtweets of Dennis Schroeder and some of these other guys that came in and to some degree, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of blew up the chemistry. And so I think as far as, you know, like Kuz and KCP. And I want to, I want to uh, lump Caruso in here as well. I just, was going to save know. him for, for separate. Cause I want okay. to talk well, about I'm, that. I'm just, just talking about those three guys, just in general, in terms of like, I, I think that Lakers fans should appreciate that all of those guys were irreplaceable in their roles on that title run. All of them had moments and Marquise. that, yeah. And Keith that are, uh, yeah. How could I forget? Like Keith basically, you know, Keith basically won them the rocket series, not on his own, but you know, that was a series where they threw him in there. He really hadn't played all that much and had not played well at all during the regular season, really when they brought him in. And then all of a sudden was the key against Russell Westbrook and James Harden's rockets. And so, you know, all of those guys were irreplaceable for what they brought and when the Lakers needed it. And they'll always be Lakers champions. And I think that, you know, just because obviously everyone should be, I think, excited about the Russ deal and all of those things. It doesn't diminish what those guys brought. And, you know, KCP is, a, a, you know, is an incredible story in He's terms of all of them, really. Yeah, in terms of going from like guys that kind of came to the Lakers with some very real questions and ended up, you know, with the exception of Keith, really getting a payday after rehabbing the reputation in Los Angeles, showing that they could contribute to winning, all of that thing, whatever questions they had about them, you know, obviously to various degrees between those three, but, you know, all of them proved that they could contribute to a winning team and especially Kuz, who no one changed more than him. For Nobody sure. dealt with more crap than KCP in terms of, you know, being, you know, going from a guy that was getting booze at Staples Center to being the third best player on a title run in the same year. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm never going to forget watching that like 2020 title team. And I don't think that Lakers fans should either. That was really uh, a special group and some special basketball. And I will always have uh, fond memories of those guys. Yeah, I mean, those guys don't deserve to ever buy uh, a drink in in L.A. Again, they, they should have it paid for by by whoever's at the bar with them uh in LA I mean the Kuz he he dealt with so much and I think he he really grew the most I think in after everything he went through as being part of that baby Laker group and being the last man standing and then we had KCP coming in that first year before LeBron as kind of the quote-unquote link to to kind of get in clutch into the Lakers sphere and then what he really turned himself into and making his own identity as a Laker and not just being that like uh stepping stone that's the word i was looking yeah for. not not just being the like the money laundering device right. to allow you to like legally talk to rich paul exactly exactly yeah no he, he he truly created his own identity as a laker and you said he was the the third best guy on that team uh in 2020 as as it as it ended up being 
Yeah, like I don't know if he was the individual best role player in any single series in that uh, in that may, other than you know maybe Portland, but uh, you know I, I think he he was on balance by far the most valuable role player. Like it's like Portland. I don't. I mean it, maybe it's him, but you know the Rockets. You everyone remembers Keith. Uh, you know the the Nuggets. It's Dwight Howard. Everyone remembers, and then of course you know the the finals. It was Alex Caruso that everybody was calling for more of, and ended up kind of delivering in that game six. So it's like I don't know that KCP was ever you know like the third best guy for the duration of a series but for the entire playoffs he was by far the most consistent which is crazy considering his reputation for inconsistency yeah so all right you brought him up alex uh, alex i'm calling you alex harrison harrison fagan is joining us it's okay people mix us up a lot you know he's a little <laughs> bit more muscular but we're both about as bald and white so it's okay all right so harrison fagan obviously joining us from silver screen and roll I have to ask you about Alex Caruso, and I know it was reported that the Lakers decided to not even offer a counter to the Bulls' uh, contract offer when Caruso came back to the Lakers with Chicago's offer. And even though I'm over it now, I understand the luxury tax implications it would have triggered for the team and all of that, but as a guy like Alex Caruso was that you could have gone over the cap for, it was just very frustrating as a fan to see that they lost Caruso for less than $10 million a year. So I, I want to know your thoughts on that whole scenario because it was obviously a very controversial uh, topic amongst the Lakers fans. And, and also I want to know ultimately, do you think it came down to THT versus Caruso? So I'll answer that second one first. I think it absolutely kind of clearly did because yeah. it, it became very clear that for monetary tax reasons, which again, you know, I can't spend someone's money for them. So that's, you know, if if Jeannie Buss wanted to save some money and Rob Palenka, you know, I think that a lot of times people are conflating, you know, the idea of, you know, of course you could have kept him. And I was guilty of this as well. Of course you could have gone over the cap to keep him and whatever. But, you know, one of the things that you have to take into account is if, you know, ownership is getting told, by the front office and I can't say for sure that this is true but it certainly seems like it that they're like well hey we can also kind of you know we can put together about as good of a team and also cost you like 30 or 40 less million dollars like we've seen that even Steve Ballmer is willing to kind of jump at that opportunity who, who like got the Clippers off of about 30 million in tax and dropped them below the Lakers and tax payments this year which again like that was going to be crazy that they were set to pay more taxes than the Lakers despite probably like not being a contender this year unless Kawhi comes back like you know way better than I think people would expect and can reasonably expect him to um you know in terms of the Caruso thing you know again I think that they've recovered well but you know in the aftermath of it when he left on night one and it was reported that like they didn't even try to counter anything I think literally the headline of the story that I wrote was the Lakers blew it with Alex Caruso because it, it's like again you know, if you're trying to put together the best team possible, I understand the arguments that people have made of like, oh, you, no one like pays as much money as they as you know is possibly allowed if they think that they can win without doing that. Like, sure, you know, it's not my money, I can't spend it. And then it's like, oh, like, well, we wouldn't have been able to get Malik Monk or Kendrick Nunn or these guys, you know, if Caruso was still here. I my response to that would be fine. I want yeah. Caruso <laughs> more than either of those guys. Um, but. You know, I understand, I think if the Lakers were trying to go, uh, we see the vision now, right? Where they were, they very sure. much tried to tilt the roster towards offense. And if that's really what they wanted to do, then, 
you can, you know, at least, you know, you can understand the reasoning, even if you don't agree with it, that, hey, maybe actually, if we really are trying to get as many offensive pieces in here as we possibly can, then maybe the opportunity to get these guys at a way less price is better than the opportunity to re-sign Alex Crusoe. Now, financial constraints aside, I would disagree. But again, like that is a basketball valuation. And, you know, you know the thing that I think that became pretty clear in the weeks leading up to free agency was that the Lakers did not value Alex Caruso as much as I think their fan base and a lot of segments of NBA Twitter and Lakers Twitter and, you know, people like me valued him. I think that they valued him significantly less than that. And, you know, you can see that in them not even countering, you know, the Chicago Bulls offer like that's, you know, uh, that, that doesn't have to be like anonymous reports or whatever. That's obvious from their actions. And so again, I think that this team is going to be very good. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. I just think that they could have been even better had they had like one more defensive guy. But again, we have to see how they fill out these last two roster spots. You know, maybe they end up getting really lucky on the buyout market or something, or they, you know, or something. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe one of these two-way guys pops or whatever, however they kind of fill those final couple spots. But I, I think... You know, again, Caruso, I think, will be missed when they're guarding some of these really good point guards in the West. And, you know, you're going to start to see guys like really light up the Lakers. And it's like, oh, well, why can't the Lakers ever defend point guards? It's like, well, you know, they had a pretty good option for that down the stretch of games, at least, that defended some pretty good point guards pretty well. But, you know, they decided to let him walk. And again, I think that it is a more defensible decision seeing how they've done in free agency. I just personally would have kept him. Yeah, I think he hit it hit it on the head with the uh the value, you know, from a operational standpoint and a fan standpoint. He's a fan favorite. I mean, I, I think, you know, we all love the the Cruz show. And uh it's hard to kind of detach from that when, you know, you can look at it from a basketball standpoint and understand some of these decisions, uh financial st- standpoint. I know it, it does kind of leave a hole um as far as like our defensive guard rotation, but you know, I don't know how many games he'd be finishing, you know, so I don't know if he's necessarily a guy that we finish with on the court when he's playing with a Russ and a LeBron. I think you need different players to finish games and not that he still wouldn't bring value throughout the game. I I just, I do kind of see, you know, basketball wise schematically and financially why it was made. And ultimately, like if you detach yourself from him and he is not wearing the face of Alex Caruso I don't know if you feel as bad about it well and it's also like you know yeah you you mentioned the basketball part of it and it it, I mean on defense could he be valuable in those lineups certainly but you know we know exactly who they're helping off of to clog the paint even more for those three kind of you know three stars that are not most known for their three-point shooting you know we know that they're leaving Caruso to make things even more difficult for those guys on offense and you know again I can't decide I think he would have been closing a lot of games because of Frank Vogel and maybe that's part of the calculus is like we are taking this decision out of his hands he is going to space the floor around these guys defense be damned and you know I think again the the fit of a non-shooting point guard alongside a Russell Westbrook in a closing lineup like I can see why they would be hesitant uh, you know or worried that maybe that might not work like I I get it again like I I think that he would have brought enough on the other end where for a team that needs perimeter defenders and it's not like you have to close him games with him you know no like you like if it's not working and you're losing more often than you're winning down the stretch you can try other things yeah and it could just be matchup dependent 
Yeah, I, I just think that he would have been a valuable asset to have. But again, you know, from the Lakers perspective, I get it. And I also wonder if like, you know, maybe to some degree, and again, I, I'm not reporting this. I'm just, this is complete speculation, but like, I just wonder how much, you know, if, if there was any fatigue from other players about him kind of always being like the story and the guy people were excited about and demanding to start over other players that maybe they wanted to start or play more and all this stuff. So I just wonder if maybe part of that was a factor of just like not wanting the Caruso meme experience. Hmm. All right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's all speculation, of course. Again, it's just something yeah. that it's just something no, that I've thought about. For and sure. About. For sure. And I mean, listen, that that could have been the same for Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> I mean, probably maybe in a different way. I don't know. I don't know that that many Lakers fans were like demanding for Kuz to play more. If anything, no, like, no, no. I'm saying the so, no. Him. I'm saying I the like... the, media, the 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 social media meme experience. I'm I'm saying yeah, about. yeah. But all right. Anyway, let's talk about the additions to the team now, because I mean, there were quite a bunch of returning Lakers that were signed, and also some new faces. Uh, so obviously they brought back Taylor Horton Tucker. They went over the cap to sign him after I believe it was this is this would be his rookie extension, right? So it's not it's you know it's restricted free agency. Restricted. So I don't okay, think it's, right. Yeah, it's not like right. an extension, but yeah, I guess it, right. it would be his like it's a second contract. Right. All right, and then they obviously signed Kendrick Nunn, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, and Malik Monk. Which one of those signings? Harrison surprised you the most you know I, I think probably Monk or none I think the w writing was on the wall that THT was going to come back that that seemed to be pretty clear mellow you know I, I think I was I speculated like two or three months before free agency I'm like yeah, I would I be shocked if Mellow was not on the Lakers like it just you know Portland's not going anywhere where else is he going but to team up with LeBron and you know try and chase one more ring so really I mean honestly Dwight Howard was uh, quite a surprise you know once that was closer to free agency. I think someone reported that he was, I think it was Brad Turner of the LA times that he was basically just like waiting for the call. I'm like, you know, I mean, that's cool. I did not expect that like one summer after he felt like there was a miscommunication and went to the Sixers, you know, that he was going to be in a rush to get back. But I guess he, you know, he clearly really loves it here, love playing for this team. And so that was cool. But yeah, Monk or none are probably the biggest surprises just because I thought that both of them would have bigger markets. And I think probably they did, but it, it seemed like both of them took to some degree less money to join up here and try and, you know, in much the same way as KCP did, like, you know, you rehab your reputation, you're on national TV a ton of times, like you make some big plays, all of a sudden, you know, some owner in another market is trying to sign you to like a giant deal or, you know, you're getting, you know, 15 million or 13 million a year like KCP is. And so again, I think that those guys, they're not KCP, they're very different players, but you know, those are kind of the biggest, like, uh, potential upside signings, I would say, because of their youth, but because they're like kind of getting close to that age where, you know, guys really start to break through that have shown as much as these guys are. And so, you know, Monk is the one that I would say I'm probably most excited about just because of the caliber of shooter he is. I think that he's going to be a really fun addition to some like bench line, a shooter and athlete that he is. I think that he's going to be really fun in some of those like LeBron plus bench units. Like he's going to have a couple quarters where he hits like three threes or something like that. And people are going crazy. So yeah, I'm, I'm, he's probably the one of the new guys that I'm most excited to watch. Yeah. I mean, again, I got to agree. Malik is definitely the one that's just like the weirdest signing, you know, kind of 
out of left field. for the minimum too that's yeah, the other thing like if they had gotten either none or monk on the mid level then i would have been like okay like yeah they're taking a little less but they probably didn't have that much bigger offers and maybe they just really want to win but like to get him for the minimum is crazy yeah i mean he's 23 he's yeah he's, he's, he's uh he was he, a lottery pick like two or three years ago he's a weird he is a weird like i also you know like trying to go out there and get shooting he to me is more of like a jamal crawford like score you know like i know i know that he'll be able to hit open shots uh he, he can shoot the ball um but he you know when i watch him he's like a bucket you know what i mean this is a guy that can, yeah with no, the ball he's, in his hand he can he can put the from ball what i've seen he's a very versatile scorer and the other thing that excites me about watching him is like how many times did we see teams run kcp off the line and he just didn't quite know what to do now again you know yeah. monk does not bring what kcp brings defensively but on offense you can't just yeah. run him off the line like he's gonna dunk on your center you know yeah, so yeah. you know it's just like i think that that creates a level of danger especially for defenses that are already kind of scrambling based on lebron or russ's drives or whatever like i think he will be really fun in some of those lineups and He's, a, you know, he might be the new AC, or at least in terms of like yeah. guy that Lakers fans are memeing after they dunk on someone. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 gonna be really interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch him, you know, in a different role, spotting up. Um, I I do. I just think he's he's a bucket. So I hope that he's able to, you know, be more of a spot up shooter. And you know, he's definitely gonna be when he gets ran off the line. That's where he's really gonna make plays. Um, yeah. And I think kind of the same with none too. They're not. Like Wayne Ellington is like a spot up shooter. You know what yeah, I mean? He's yeah. a guy put him at the put him in the corner. You know, he he is a spot up shooter. None and 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 Malik to me are scorers. Um and and so it'll be it'll be fun to watch these guys play. And both those guys I think are really good uh compliments to Russ's game. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, the it's weird to say that I'm like most excited about a unit that does not feature LeBron. Obviously, you know, I it's been awesome to get to cover and like watch LeBron like every single game, you know, like maybe the greatest player ever, you know, all the time. But like, I really am excited about those AD and Russ bench units and seeing kind of the three guys that they pair alongside them and all the different combinations there. Because, you know, just as a basketball nerd and someone who's seen this weird trend for years, like I, I do want to, I also think that, AD, you know, is going to come into this season with a chip on his shoulder after the way that the discourse has been about him for the last year or so. And like, he better has almost seemed to forget how good he was during that playoff run. And so, you know, I, I'm excited for those units that are, it's like uh, Russ is kind of just trying to set up AD and get him going. And, you know, those first quarter scoring binges that like to end quarters and put the Lakers ahead, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for those. I'm weirdly excited most for like those units. And then also like the LeBron plus bench, LeBron plus four shooters units. Like I think are going to be a ton of fun offensively to watch yeah the the i think that this team is is a is a true basketball team in the sense that there's not i don't think there's going to be a night in night out nine guys play this role you know you've got guys where i think trevor reza will go games without playing uh wayne ellington could go games without playing but when you need certain lineups there's so much versatility and so many different types of players on this team and when you have guys like russ and lebron who can be a superstar at multiple different positions the you know making lineups i i I threw together you know five eight lineups that you know were just interesting there's a lot of different things you can do small ball big uh shooting um you know defense there there's a lot of different things you can do with this lineup and i think we're going to see a lot of different things 
against different teams uh, and that's going to be really good come playoffs uh there's going to be you know everybody's got different strengths and the lakers really do have a counter for almost every type of basketball and and just about any type of lineup yeah yeah i'm just saying like can't you see you know some like second unit of like mark you know nun monk uh mellow and lebron going on some like 14 to 2 and run to huge, start a random second a huge, quarter you know stuff. huge talented team yeah, they just have like a bunch of guys that should complement each other pretty well offensively. It's just, it's weird because it's like, they have a lot of guys that complement their stars well. It's just not clear that all three of their stars complement each other well. So that's the biggest question mark and arguably the most important thing. But I think in terms of the peripheral pieces and being a regular season team, I think they're they're like floor is incredibly high because they just have yeah, a lot of guys yeah. that know how to play. They have a lot of injury insurance. They have a lot of, you know, like this is an older team. There's been a lot of jokes about it, but also like if LeBron and Melo need to sit out one night, like they have plenty of firepower to go out and beat some kind of mediocre team. I'm excited to see a LeBron and Melo as the bigs. I want to see a small ball team with LeBron, Melo, maybe an Ariza and a couple guards. Where I'll tell you who's not excited about that, Frank Vogel. Uh, <laughs> hey, but he, but hey, man, that's on be... the spot if those are his options. Like you know, just in terms of the rim protection. I'm and just saying that's that's a dangerous team. I mean, I, yeah, I, no, I watch I, I watch Carmelo. I agree with you. Carmelo yeah. guarding Jokic in the playoffs. You got Ariza who can guard, you know, big guys. It'll, that and and like I mean, like you said, that's not necessarily what you want out on the court, but. Um, I just more was, you know, it's an attest to how many different things they can really throw at you. They literally can play any style of basketball. Like it, there's, there's so many different combinations and possibilities. Like they're going to be really good. I think, you know, lost in a lot of the, uh, you know, kind of people being upset about losing Caruso for basically for nothing and all of the, like feeling like that was asset mismanagement and whatever. Like, you know, I think so, to some degree it got lost and it's gotten picked back up again, but like this team's still going to be really, really good. There are questions for sure. And they're going to have some things to figure out but they can play almost any style of basketball that you can think of. And THT might have had something to do with Caruso as yeah. well. I mean, if you want yeah. to progress this kid into something more, which it looks, you know, he's kind of, uh, he kind of was a, a pleasant surprise uh, for, for a lot of people. Um, and so now he has the ability to play, play those minutes that Caruso got and someone coming up, a new guy on this team can get the minutes that THT was getting. Yeah, I mean, between not including him in the Lowry thing and then re-signing him over, you know, to apparently over Caruso, you know, they're really, they're really, they've shown their belief in him. And this is a year where I think he'll get a lot of opportunity uh, opportunities to show why. Yeah. Now, Harrison, I'm not sure how old you are, but I know we're probably... I'm 30. Well, I was going to say, I know we're probably pretty close to the same age because you said you were in high school when Trevor Ariza was last on the team. Um, yeah. But... How excited were you to have him come back home to L.A.? I mean, yeah, you probably I, I feel like this is a leading question. You probably saw my tweet like I, I, I was did, like I did. geeking out over <laughs> Trevor Ariza. You know, like I got to ask him a question during a scrum and it's like I, I don't get star. I wouldn't say I was starstruck. I don't really get starstruck that often. I, I do get like, you know, anxiety over interviews sometimes, but not like because someone's like famous or whatever, like anymore, because it's like you, you've been around. I don't mean to sound jaded, but like you, you've been around enough people that you realize they're just kind of also people. Yeah. And so it's like 
but I, I mean, for Trevor Ariza, like all of a sudden he pops up on Zoom, like I'm getting to talk to him. Like that was just an incredibly cool career, like full circle moment because I grew up like literally in the final week of high school, like uh, one of my teachers had like set up a monitor during like our awards night in his classroom. And he like snuck some of us out the back to go watch the end of, it was, what game was it? It was the one where Fisher hit a bunch of threes down the stretch. I'm like blanking on specifically, I, was that game two? I, yeah, it had to be two or three. I might've been the first two, game, it was game No, it was game three, right? Because yeah. they were in Orlando, yeah. I think. It was the first yeah, game in Orlando. So, but like, you know, Trevor Ariza was unbelievable during that run. I went back and went through, like he had those two game winning steals against the, against Mello's Denver Nuggets and yes. maybe his best chance ever to get to the finals and stuff like that. Like I, you know, Trevor Ariza, I, I just think it's, you know, he's going to be, I think, I think he's a good fit and a good ad for this team, but just from, you know, like a narrative and storyline perspective, it's also just awesome that he's kind of finally back after really like he should have been. I think re-signed that summer, you know, all things being equal, it just seems like there was some weird kind of miscommunication between his eight. Like that was a very drawn out, weird free agency saga. And again, yeah. you know, you can't begrudge the Lakers because they ended up winning a title with Meta and he was incredibly it key ended up in being, that. being almost a trade. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, it, it felt like uh, it just kind of sucked that like Trevor Ariza did not get to defend that title. Yeah. I mean, my computer background, the rest of the season after the Grant Hill poster was that poster <laughs> the rest of the season until they won the title that was my computer like desktop background was that poster so no trevor was it's it's so funny because you look back in those highlights and it's like oh damn like he was we think about him like he was this kind of like he, he was this like steady kind of veteran role player already but he was he was a young guy on that team he yeah. was like 23 he was you know and it's young. like it's it's wild that he's you know uh, this long later he's like back as kind of the sage veteran present switch everything defensive guy yeah now when you saw guys like wayne ellington kent Bazemore, and dwight howard come back what point at what point did you just start laughing at all the ghosts of Lakers past? Well, we were I think it was the night that all of those guys got reported like we put up some Instagram posts like here's like a post or it was even before it was when free agency started and they were getting linked to a bunch of these guys it's like here's all the guys that the Lakers have been linked to in free agency we worked up some jersey swaps for you and it was just old <laughs> pictures of those guys from when they were in uh Lakers uniform and yeah it was it, it was funny I mean I understand again their basketball merits all these moves they clearly didn't do it over the like he knows what it means to be a Laker factor but that was a hilarious like 12 hours where people were like bring back ryan kelly and like oh <laughs> uh, like let's get tark black back in here and you know just like Henry. just any uh, chris Kamen like didn't die for this he needs to come home <laughs> like yeah it was it was quite the amusing start nick to young i think at one point tweeted like hey sign me like <laughs> hey why not we needed some shooters at that point yeah that would i mean look i think that they probably could have added a lot of better shooters considering well, how yeah. nick young's career ended but hey i wouldn't have been mad about having swaggy back on this team yeah it would have added some spice to it yeah now although i think lebron would have killed him by the end of the season i, I feel like lebron had <laughs> like in a locker room with like swag i don't know if that like if that place yeah i don't know if that would have worked out like i think the only reason he survived the kobe years was because kobe was like he kind of was, was chilling out there. a little bit like he was he took it down by like 10 to 20 percent by that point yeah. and kind of realized that the team was not all that great and he was going to do what he could and whatever but like i think nick young playing with prime kobe i don't know if he makes it through no i don't think so either like they would have cut him they wouldn't have even traded him kobe would have just demanded they cut him mid-season <laughs> did you ever think you'd see carmelo anthony in a lakers uniform let alone standing next to lebron james 
Yeah, I mean, since LeBron got here, I kind of have assumed that it was going to happen at some point because, you know, again, this is going back to like the 2014 free agency, I believe it was when he was a free agent. I remember arguing with my dad. I'm like, no, like they don't need to keep Pal. Like they're going to get mellow. Like they have a plan, all this well, stuff. Didn't he like, get they have it all together. They did not have it all together, but, um, you did, know, it, it is. Didn't Melo take a meeting with the Lakers before signing with the Knicks, though? He did, yeah. Okay. yeah they, they, unforgettably, they had a, uh, they had a Tobey Maguire narrated recruiting pitch That's video. That's right. That was when the Hollywood recruiting pitches were going, and they lost LaMarcus Aldridge because of that. Yeah, and oh. they, they got told by the NBA they had to take their tweet down of Adam Levine wearing a weird backwards jersey that he wasn't yes. actually wearing. It was just like draped over his chest for some reason. <laughs> I remember like that I don't picture. like a blanket. I still my dream story that I want to do one day. is like the oral history <laughs> of how the hell the Adam Levine photo happened. Um, yeah, but anyway, that that's neither here nor there. Since LeBron got here, I've kind of assumed that I honestly thought Melo would be a Laker sooner than this. But I think that, you know, it's kind of like he said it kind of worked out perfectly in terms of the time that he's arriving and the point in his career that he's at and kind of ready to take the role that the team needs him to, you know, I understood why they didn't bring him in LeBron's first season, even though LeBron like went to bat for him like three times, I think during post-game scrums, it was kind of crazy. Uh, but I understood why they didn't bring him in then. Cause they had young guys at his position that they needed yeah. to play and that needed minutes to develop and whatever. Now they've, kicked all the young guys off the team basically and so it makes total sense and they need shooters and they need the type of player that Melo has become as kind of a offensively focused Markeith Morris more like Keith had some value on defense and kind of wasn't giving you much on offense and then I feel like Melo is like the complete inverse of like that small ball four like but can you know space the floor and all of that stuff yeah I, I think uh it was only time for Melo and, and I'm, I'm with you as far as like I didn't I kind of thought it would happen sooner than later. I just, I, I just always felt like at, at in the twilight of these guys' career, they'd they'd find a way to play with each other. Yeah, I mean and, that and seemed pretty clear. You know, like if they could the make Lakers, it work, that they were somewhere. going to make yeah. it happen. Yeah, definitely, yeah. and it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. I mean, just growing up in this era of basketball, I couldn't. You know, it's like getting Kobe and Michael together. You know, no, I'm I'm excited for like the like the mid like March game or something where they're both sitting out with load management and like a camera sees them pouring like a bottle of wine into each other's <laughs> coffee cups like on the bench. Like that that's the moment that I'm psyched for. LeBron sneaks the bottle of Lobos under the bench like he did for the finals. Yeah, or like Dwayne Wade like comes over like in a disguise or something and like pours it over like while they're sitting on the bench and then goes back to his courtside seats. Oh yeah, that'll be perfect at a game in Utah. Yeah, maybe may, maybe that's who they're gonna sign with their final roster spot. Like maybe he's just like trying to get out of his like Utah ownership. He's just gonna come <laughs> and like uh, join the Lakers as the fifteenth man. So one thing Harrison that I've noticed and, and this might be just because these guys are freshly signed and want to say all the right things but it seems to me that already this team is more bought into the team and the franchise's goal of bringing home an 18th NBA championship than last season's was and I know you got to be a part of some of the media availability for some of these guys since they've been signed so I want to know do you get that same vibe? Yes, I think, uh, you know, like you said, uh, it's easy to, you know, it's easy to say that, the, oh, yeah, they're just saying the right things or whatever. But like, that's a head start over last year's team who Very didn't really so. come in and even say the right things at the start. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they're, they've got a leg up on last year's team in that respect. And I just think that this is a lot of guys that are at different points of their careers than, you know, some of kind of the bigger, you know, additions to last year's team were in terms of, you know, you bring in 
Dennis, who basically demands the start. You bring in Trez, who it's clear he wants a big role and wants to have like an FU season revenge body to the Clippers type deal. And then you bring in Andre Drummond, who's like, oh, I can still, you know, I'm still an all-star. Like Cleveland gave up on me. I got to prove them wrong and I got to start and all this stuff. Well, and he and was promised like, to start. Huh? And he was promised to start. Yeah, he was promised to start. And then like, I mean, the most astounding thing about the Drummond era was like after the season when he blasts the head coach who went to bat like and basically took bullets for him in every single media availability, like defending you know, why Andre Drummond starting made sense. And then it's like Drummond just throws him under the bus, which, you know, I thought was kind of lame. But, uh, you know, I, again, I, I think that they're miles ahead of where last team's uh, last year's team was already in terms of just like saying the right things and seemingly being bought in. And it's just like a lot of older guys who, you know, they get what the goal is. They yeah. they want to get either one more ring or their first ring or whatever it may be. I, I think that it's a lot less of like, oh, we're coming in, like we're the champs too, you know, along with you guys. And you have a lot of guys that are coming off of a title and maybe, you know, they're tired or, you know, they're still kind of riding high off of that. And it's like, well, like this regular season basketball kind of sucks now that we've played like really high level basketball. So, you know, I, I think that it's just going to be a very different level of motivation all around the roster this year. Yeah. Now, what do you think happens with the the remaining two or three? Is it two or three spots left on the roster? So they have technically four spots to co go to training camp, but they only have two guaranteed spots. They have thirteen guaranteed contracts as okay. they stand right now. Uh, and then they have signed. They have their two two way guys, and then uh, they have like two exhibit tens so far, which are or two training camp invites and Mac McClung and uh, Chandy Brown. So right. like they have, they have all of the, but basically 13 guaranteed contracts. So two real roster spots left. So is that Wes Matthews and Jared Dudley? So that's what I thought. But like, I mean, they gave Wes Matthews number to Kent Bazemore and, you know, I, I mean, Jared Dudley's son was at the summer league game with LeBron and Russ, which was very strange. And he's infiltrated LeBron's inner, inner circle. Yeah, I was like, I was, yeah, and Dudley's like been working out with LeBron all, all summer, like going on vacations with him and whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I, at first I was like, is Dudley just like negotiating his, the like signing in the back or something? Like, why is he, <laughs> why is, why is uh, like little Dudley here and not big Dudley? And, uh, you know, we still don't know. Maybe it's like, it's like a wink, wink, like we're going to sign you. We're just waiting to see, you know, like if any other last minute things like become available before training camp. But even that, it, it's just strange that they haven't, filled those roster spots yet but maybe maybe they're waiting and seeing if like rondo gets bought out like you know quickly or whatever yeah, he was just I, I don't yesterday. know it's it's strange what if, what about the rookies i mean you know we've got the two draft picks austin reeves joel jai uh, so they're, they're undrafted, draft pick, undra uh, undrafted free drafted agents rookies. and they're on two-way contracts so they don't count against the roster but the and, lakers can't use another two-way contract now. yeah and so so onto takumbo he's gone he's gone he's gone he, he then, already signed in france and then Devonte kaycock who was a two-way player yeah. for them la the last two years along with costas uh Devonte is currently playing for their summer league team, leading it in scoring and rebounding, I believe. Uh, but is currently like not signed to like an NBA deal, and they would. I don't think that they can bring him back on a two-way contract. I believe that you can play uh, three years on a two-way contract, but I think you can only play two for the same team. So I think he could take a two-way contract from another team, but for the Lakers, I'm like 95% sure that it would have to be at least like a partial guarantee, like using up one of those real roster spots and not, I mean, they could just invite him to camp and then give him an exhibit 10 and cut him and send him down to the G league and see if he continues to develop there. You know, that'll depend, but yeah, like he's still around, but it's kind of this weird situation where 
they gave his two-way spot to someone else and then it's yeah. like is he yeah. going to be able to play his way into at least camp or something yeah and so i mean i personally just i wonder like what about a third string center it, it seems like i mean i know that a lot of guards a lot of perimeter players like have kind of come into the mix maybe more shooting but you know it seems like i mean dwight and mark I don't know, you know, how many minutes a game either want. Now, obviously, we want Ant to play a lot. We want him to play five. But just, you know, if one if one center goes down for an injury, all of a sudden you have one center on your team. Yeah, well, I, I think that, I mean, honestly. And they're both old as dirt. It's like, <laughs> I just feel like it's very hard to make a basketball argument to not start AD at the five this year. And again, yeah. like, that's going to depend on his preference. But, you know, I, I mean, all the reporting is that he's more open to it than ever now. Does that mean that he actually starts there? I don't know. Like, yeah. do they continue to punt, like, the first five minutes of games at times? Like, just to kind of, and again, like, I, I don't want to make it like it's all bad. The AD, you know, the original starting lineup last year was still one of the Lakers' best lineups by the end of the year. So you can make it work with him and Mark, but... I just wonder if with Russ now, if that's just like too clogged, you know, to make it happen. But again, I think that like to some degree, your answer is AD is like the third center there. And, yeah. you know, Which, if someone does get injured, then yeah, I mean, they probably try to sign a guy off the street or figure that out or whatever. But I don't know that I see them using one of these final roster spots on a center. That would feel like overcommitting to that position to me. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I more thought of a guy that would be buried on the bench, someone, you know, 13th guy type of scenario. Yeah. I mean, for... like if you're going to sign, you know, I think something that might make a lot of sense, you know, is signing Kaycock, like a guy already knows the system. You sign him yeah. to a non-guaranteed deal. You can still cut him later if someone better becomes available, but you kind of, you keep yeah. him around and you keep him like around your G league team and you see if he continues to develop and become something for you. And, you know, it kind of lets you keep a free roster spot without actually having a free roster spot. If you sign a guy to a non-guaranteed deal, so I, it, whether it's Kaycock or someone else, I would not be shocked if they did something like that. Um, but I guess, you know, we'll see. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously Ant is, is tremendous at the five. That's what, that's, yeah. what, that's what everybody wants. Um, he's kind of, he's kind of tried to stay away from it. And, you know, honestly, I think that it, it, every minute he doesn't have to play five, it benefits the Lakers. Um, I just, you know, Eric's heard me say this a million times, but you know, with playing the five comes foul trouble and fatigue. I just think it's it's so much and like physical wear and tear from that's the banging. What, yeah, fatigue. Yeah. That's what yeah. that, you know. I mean, you're leaning on seven footers. Um, you have to protect the rim. You can't. You, you know, guarding a four, you may may be able to float out a little more. You don't risk foul trouble. And and ultimately, staying on the court and with someone like AD, I don't know if I want him. You know, banging around as much. Um, and and it it does it does get tough with spacing, but. Uh, you know, if he can, if, if he can play, you know, only 10 minutes a game at center, I think that that benefits the Lakers big time, just, just kind of staying away from those, those troubles and having your legs late in games. I mean, he is a good jump shooter and, and, you know, as much spacing as we can get, that'll help us. And if he's able to, to kind of float the perimeter and hit jump shots late in games, that's going to help as well. And I don't know if he can do that, uh, playing center. I think that all of those are completely reasonable arguments. The only counterpoint that I have is just that, again, like, you know, you've said it, I've said it, it makes more basketball sense in terms of like just offensive fit and making those lineups work to play him at center. Yeah. And also like, there is an argument to be made that at AD size, you know, maybe running around on the perimeter and like kind of 
checking these smaller fours is not really that great for his joints. And, you know, how, what are his injuries? Like his injuries are always soft tissue injuries. Like those aren't yeah. from banging in the post. That's from, no. you know, like probably from moving around, chasing guards, whatever. And like to some degree, like the Lakers, of course, they're always going to switch him on the smaller guys. And that, that's part of the benefit of having AD. Yeah. But, you know, maybe not having to chase those fours around, maybe that helps him from a wear and tear perspective. I'm not a medical professional. I don't know, but I can at least see, you no. know, the argument that could be made there. I, I think you're right. As far as the injuries go, it, it's definitely, um, you know, the injuries are more likely to happen in a, in a moving scenario, you know, kind of moving in space, I guess, where the wear and tear from play, you know, playing center is just literally like fatigue, like being tired, like leaning in and fighting and wrestling around for defensive glass and not having, maybe not having, you know, the lift in your jumper in the fourth, but you're right. I mean, as far as the injuries go, uh, you know, that's definitely there, you know, there's something to that, you know, there's yeah. going to be pros and cons to playing the four and the five. And I mean, Garnett, Duncan, Dirk, you know, all those guys I, I think did it. Yeah. Now, do you think Isaiah Thomas is uh, a viable candidate for a final roster spot? I saw some rumors about that. I don't necessarily think it's the greatest idea. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I can't. I cannot see it. Like, again, I, I respect Mark and his reporting. And, like, if he says that they took a look at the at Isaiah, like, I believe 100% that they yeah, took, a, sure look they took a look at Isaiah. Yeah, I'm sure they took a look. Yeah, I just don't think that it necessarily makes sense for them to actually sign him and like that's not what he reported he reported that they were they looked at him right and like that doesn't mean that they're going to bring him in or anything like that but it's like they've considered it and you know I just think that you know if I were considering it I would be like yeah I mean we could sign Isaiah Thomas but we could also you know sign someone who can play defense at the NBA level and like doesn't isn't trying to prove that they still belong in the league and all of that stuff and like I, I mean where are his I don't know where his minutes are coming from is he getting minutes over you know monk or none or tht or westbrook or any of the like i just i don't, I don't think even at know this where point, he play. Yeah. i don't know that he helps you more than wayne ellington on uh, this he's team. a ball and handler so, and it's a team full of ball handlers so yeah it, it's just it doesn't wayne make ellington basketball sense ball, to me so and so much such a better pick compliment yeah and like it, it, it's also the fact that like him and lebron kind of it seems like by you know fairly widespread reports from their time in cleveland like did not exactly you know jive and so i would be i would be fairly shocked if that was actually someone that they gave a roster spot to yeah i mean me personally i think my preference for at least i think dudley i think is a lock I, but i think for that other spot i think i would preferably want to go with another lanky lengthy wing defender type yep, player me too so yeah i mean if if we're in concurrence on that um i got a couple more things for you Harrison, before we let you go, thank you so much for for taking the time tonight. Um, a lot, I think, has been talked about the defensive concerns for this team, especially before the roster was filled out. And then once Russell Westbrook came to the team and then once it was filled out, there were still some questions about it. But am I crazy to think that if there's any coach that's going to get this team to compete and be a defensive force, it's Frank Vogel. He was able to to keep the Lakers as the number one defense, even while LeBron and AD missed extended time last year. I mean, if anybody can do it, I think Frank Vogel can. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly going to be put to the test this season. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think that they're going to be the number one defense, not that that's what you suggested, but I do think that they're, 
I, I think they're going to be better than people expect. I, I did think it was funny. You know, you kind of brought this up of like the aftermath of the rust trade. It's like, well, the Lakers are going to suck defensively now. It's like, wait, what? Like there, there's no one on the roster. I mean, yeah, they're going to suck if they go into the roster into the year with like four guys on their team, but yeah, they can't even, you know, they're starting five. Yeah, like they, they don't, they don't, like we, we got to see who else they sign before we kind of decide this. I understand, you know, losing KCP and Alex Caruso, like that hurts your perimeter defense. Certainly the way that Frank likes to play, you know, with having that kind of, you know, like attack dog basically that goes after ball handlers, tries to get it out of their hand, like disrupt that offense and, you know, kind of get them out of sorts to start possessions, pick up full court, all of that stuff. Like I, I understand that they're going to be worse from that perspective, but I do think that, yeah, if there's anyone who can figure out solutions, it's the guy who basically should have been on an, on an all defense team based on how the league voted and whatever. Like, you know, it's like no players end up on it, but they have the best defense all year, even without LeBron and AD. Like, that's kind of strange. And I understand in a vacuum the arguments for why that happened, but it's also hard to not be like, hey, like this Frank guy can really coach defense if that's your takeaway. Like, I, I mean, basically, you know, you give him like, these three guys and like some duct tape and like uh, two of us on this podcast, like I think they're going to be able to figure some things out <laughs> and probably get into the top half of the league. Yeah. And I that's all that you really need to be like, if you can be, you know, they're going to have probably not the number one offense. Like that's probably going to be the nets, but they're going to be, you know, probably a top five offense next year. And if you can get towards the top 10 in defense, even if you're not quite in there, like that's a title contender. Yeah. I think they could be top five, top 10 in offense and defense. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think they can be top 10 in both, to be honest. I like, agree. I think I that, agree. you know, if you have AD and a motivated AD, that covers up for a lot on defense. And they have Dwight, who knows the system, knows how to play as a valuable regular season defender. If LeBron's locked in on that end, you know, they have some guys that like have utility in THT and Monk. And again, these are not like staunch defenders that can do everything, but they have certain things that they can do well. And I trust this coaching staff a lot to figure out what those things are and make lineups work around you know, these various things. And then they have Ariza and Bazemore and like, they got like seven foot you know, wingspans, right? Yeah. They, they have some, like they have some strong defenders and some good pieces. And I think that they have enough to make it work. I don't think it's going to be like it was the last two years, but they have enough to be a, still a pretty strong defense. I think. Yeah. I think that this, whenever Mello isn't on the floor, because he's just going to get targeted <laughs> oh, no. to death. Uh, yeah. I think, I mean, I think this team is definitely going to be a top 10 defense purely because I think their number one strength is it's it's they they close possessions the defensive rebounding I mean there's not there's still just they have so much they have so much size so much rebounding ability at all five positions that you're it's going to be really tough to get more than one shot of possession against the Lakers um, and like honestly you know again this might sound hyperbolic and to some degree it is but LeBron probably would have been a real defensive player of the year candidate had he played the entire season last year like he he still has it on that end now I don't know if he locks in to that degree this year because they're going to be able to score so much easier but he's still a savant on that end yeah I, I think that you know um they have good rim protection they have good they have good length um really it's going to be you know even Mark is like a fine regular season defender like that. Yeah. He got obviously exploited against the Suns. That was about as bad of a defensive matchup as he could face. But, but you know, with wrong, those two level yeah. of like pick and roll attackers, but most teams don't have Devin Booker and Chris Paul in the background in the backcourt able to kind of pick you apart and hunt those switches and all of that stuff. And DeAndre and teams Aiden don't too. do that to the same degree in the regular season. Like Mark can still play defense defensively in the regular season. He was fine on that end all last year. And Mark's really good when you play the the Embiid's, the Jokic's, yes, 
the crafty, the crafty talent, the cat, well, you know, the Carl Anthony Towns, like he, he is a crafty defender. He knows the game and he knows how to use his size still. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there, there's a, I, you know, and I think Horton Tucker is, is a good versatile defender. He can guard multiple positions. It really will be, you know, how, how do we, how do we play the perimeter guards, um, and kind of just slow the bleeding. And really, if you slow the bleeding, um, against you know high scoring guards this team is going to be pretty they're going to be able to score against anyone they're going to yeah it's going to be i mean obviously the lakers are are a title contender um but this team really i mean i don't think it got that bad on defense um yeah and like also you know criticism it's getting i feel like i have to say this like a, a lot of you know bad articles over the last like five to 10 years have been written on the premise of like, well, what if this is the year where Russell Westbrook finally decides to defend? You know what I mean? But like, also what if this is the year when Russell Westbrook finally starts to defend? Like on this team, (laughs) he's going to have more energy to do it than he's ever had before. You know, he's going to have probably the lowest usage rate of his career. Like if there was ever a situation to get him to at least kind of buy in a little bit more and like, you know, he's clearly a smart basketball player. Like he understands, you know, angles and like how to set up offense and all of these things. Like he should, should be able to under this coaching staff at least be able to figure out some things that can help the team he's probably not going to be a defensive stopper but i also think that they're going to find ways to utilize his strengths on that end yeah i mean he's he plays the passing lanes um again like can they just get him to like somewhat pay attention to his guy when he's not on the ball like that that's all he really needs to do is just like be aware that his guy does not only exist when he has the ball yeah, and that's where, you know, he needs to use his athleticism and length, playing the passing lanes. Um, he, he's going to be a good defensive rebounder, like we've talked about. Um, and his effort's high. I mean, yes, he, yeah. he may not be locked in on the deep, on, on the defensive end 100% of the possessions, but he's got a high effort. He's an athlete. He's long. Um, he's not going to – his defense is not going to be why the Lakers don't succeed. You know, like – No, no. That's um, – I think that he is – he's good enough on defense – He's not going to be some liability out there. Yeah. Now, the the only teams I worry about are teams like the Nets or like the Warriors where there's just so much shooting that you're not going to be able to put him on a guy that just has the ball. And then in that case, that's where I start to worry about his inattentiveness. But again, like that, we can't answer what that's going to look like for certain until we see it. You know, we've just never seen him in a situation like this where he's so clearly the third best player. And, you know, I joke, like, does he realize that? But I think he has to. And these guys like LeBron and AD didn't just bring him in and like not vet what his mentality is and yeah. where he's at coming into this year they want him to be russell westbrook and yeah and, and and you know on on the other uh on the flip side of the whole you know the the, the brooklyn's and the and the golden states is is he puts a lot of pressure on them as well um so yeah his offense essentially can help out on defense by like what we talked about and playing the five he's gonna wear people out if you have to go if if steph has to guard him if clay has to guard him James, Kyrie, Kyrie. That is not what they want to do. That's not the night him, they want. Him and LeBron versus like KD, Kyrie, and James Harden for so many different reasons is just incredible narrative. And obviously Anthony Davis <laughs> is part of that too. He just doesn't have the narratives with those guys. Right. Um, other than like Kyrie and him were kind of supposed to maybe team up on the Celtics and then decided they didn't want to and whatever. But like, I mean, there's not as much connections there, but between Russ and LeBron and like those three like net stars, like, you know, just the narratives 
you know, not to even mention the basketball, which would be incredible in a finals like that, but like the storylines of, you know, all of these guys going against each other for in the highest possible stakes is uh, like, I hope we get to see it. We're it's, it's going down. Yeah. I, if, if Anthony, we'll see. If I mean, Anthony we'll Davis see is in, you know, is in uniform, I, we're, we're, it's going down. Get out of here. If he's in uniform, it's going down. <laughs> I think if they're all healthy, it's I'll going down. I'll say this too, though. It, Kyrie and James, they got to be in uniform as well. I, yeah. I won't put it all on him. So uh, I I have one last question for you, and it's it's kind of what we were just talking about, but I, I it just popped into my mind as we were talking about Russ's effort and mentality, and I, I'd be remiss to to not ask you about it. But, I mean, realistically, I think a lot of Lakers fans, their favorite player that wasn't on the Lakers was Russell Westbrook. And now he's a Laker. You you mentioned Rob Polinka's line in the press release of the trade, saying it takes a certain kind of player to be the point guard for the Los Angeles Laker. And then I'll echo that sentiment with Rob Polinka's uh, former client, Kobe Bryant. Yep. He said it takes a, a certain kind of player to be a Laker in general. And I think Russ knows what that takes, and and has really I think taken that challenge head on with coming to the Lakers and and how it all went down. I also think, again, like he could just be oblivious to like the basketball concerns about this. Like we can't rule that out. Like maybe he just like is like, no, I'm going to be Russ and that's good enough. And like, I don't have to adjust that much. Like that's possible. I don't think that that's particularly likely, but you know, how could he not like, you know, you're asking to come to your hometown, the team you grew up rooting for, all that stuff. Like you have to want kind of the right things to want to do that and put that level of pressure on yourself, right? Like you don't go in and do that, you know, if you're not kind of aware of how bad things might become for you if it goes wrong. You know what I mean? Like he understands, he's been a Laker fan. He understands how much Lakers fans get on their players. Like yeah. when they're not, you know, playing well and whatever he's been from the city, he's seen all that stuff. And so like, I think that, you know, he's going to come in with the mentality. Like at this point, he's been traded three straight off seasons. He has to, if there was any ever going to be a situation where he was motivated to prove, no, I can contribute to winning basketball. This is it. Now, again, what form does that take? Does that take him doubling down on everything? Like, I'm not going to change. I am a good player. I've been dealt some bad hands. Like, this is how I play. Or does he find that middle ground between I'm going to do the things that make me great, but I'm also going to do them a little bit less because we have these two other great guys and I'm going to do some other things that I haven't maybe done before to make myself a little bit more valuable as a complimentary player. And I think that he said all the right things. I think all the reports are that they've talked about this basketball fit. And again, it's different to talk about it in July than to do it in, you know, mid January or whatever. And I think that there will be road bumps along the way, but I'm excited to see it play out. And I think, how could you not just on like a highlight reel level, be excited to watch Russ in a Laker uniform and, you know, just watch him get to come home. Like this is, it's just cool to see a kid from the area, you know, probably the highest profile one ever get to put on that Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Russ is a superstar. This is like, this is a guy that I think gets unfair criticism because he hasn't won a, Agreed. won a championship. I think he gets unfair criticism because of his style of play, similar to maybe Allen Iverson. Um, like can this style of play win and i i i just constantly think i don't think they're the problems i don't think they're the reason why they haven't won they they take their teams to another level they're competitive basketball players um R russell westbrook is going to bring a lot i mean he, he triple double possibly um and so I, i'm super excited for him and i think you know i think he is going to be russ I, I i do think that 
LeBron will probably do the most adjusting because that's LeBron. He's the GM, the coach, the star. Uh, he, he's <laughs> he's going to make sure this all goes goes right um, because ultimately it's his legacy. All these guys are building their legacies with him. Um, but uh, uh, I think like the, this three is just destined for greatness. They're they're really the only the only thing in in front of the Lakers to me is the Nets. Uh, I think that this team is built built to just dominate and, and Russell's going to be out for people's necks every night. I'm excited to watch it. Like, I mean, the, these three guys for varying reasons are going to be as motivated as they've ever been in their career. Like this is going to be really, really fun. And for all different reasons. I mean, you yeah. got, you got people like Tyler on the TSK show calling Anthony Davis street clothes Davis. You got, you got LeBron who's trying to get as many rings as possible. You got Russ who hasn't had one yet. I mean, they all have different motivations. And Russ, who's been given up on by like three straight. I mean, the Thunder didn't really give up on him. They just kind of gave up on that era and then yeah. traded him to where he wanted to go. But like, you know, at least two straight teams have been like, ah, that's okay. Like we could we could figure out something better. And, you know, that has to put a chip on his shoulder that's as big yeah. as it's ever been. Yeah, and and it's, it's you know, it's only because of, you know, the type of style of play he is. He, he needs to be on a contender or just seems like a crazy player, you know? It's well, like, and also like, I, I mean, these stats. three guys coming together, you know, you saw it in LeBron's Instagram post the other day. He's heard the people saying that this won't work, you oh, know, yeah. like they're, they're, they're going to be determined to prove that as much as anything, but like, no, 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 no. We chose our teammates. We know what we're talking about. We played this game. Like we know what is going to win and we're going to make this work because we all wanted it. Yeah. And we saw that in his Instagram post and the deleted tweets. Yes, and the deleted tweets. Never <laughs> the twice deleted tweets. Oh, LeBron, we've all been there. It's yes. okay. Like he, like him and Nick Young. Maybe the only thing they have in common as Lakers is, uh, you know, just being big tweet and delete guys. Big tweet and delete guys as Lakers. But all right, Harrison. Last thing, and uh, I started by asking you, was it as simple as the injuries got in the way for the Lakers last season? And and I'll end it with, is it as simple as injuries will get in the way? for the Lakers this upcoming season, if if it so happens that they don't win the championship? And really, who who is their biggest competition in, in the West and in the NBA? In the West, I feel like, honestly, I want to say the Warriors. I, I think that they're really in for like a bounce back season. Um, Tyler's nodding his head in agreement. Yeah, I, the Warriors, because I, I just don't, by that the sun i think the sun's run was very fluky i think that we saw what anthony davis does to them when healthy i, I think the injuries are this team's biggest roadblock but also like the nets are really really good and you know the lakers could have everything go right everyone buy in it all work and then if the nets are healthy in the finals you know there's a chance that they win like there is I, i'm not i don't know who i would pick today we, we got to see who they're kind of how they're playing going into the playoffs and all of that stuff and then we can start to yeah, that's way that too early to tell and, yeah, but like if healthy, like I mean, there are legitimate basketball arguments to pick this Nets team over the Lakers, but that's I, that's certainly the biggest threat. There's not another team in the NBA that I think would be favored going into a series with them. Yeah, I think it's it's Anthony Davis's health and the Brooklyn Nets. Those are the only two things I think they can stop the Lakers uh, from winning a title this year. Yeah, yeah. I think you could you could literally lose Russ or LeBron for a series, and and, and one of those guys can win it but you yeah because you both of them can Ant. replicate each other's skill sets and yeah. like build it up enough yeah. that with some shooters on the floor yeah. with them with enough defense like you can kind of figure that out and anthony davis is the guy that can't lose you have to have him he's he's the he is the 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 star as far as the the x's and o's go um 
And so, yeah, Anthony Davis's health, Brooklyn Nets. That's that. Those are the only two things uh, I believe that can stop the Lakers from from hanging another banner. Yeah, and I think uh, Harrison, I I think you hit the nail on the head. I think the the Suns, their window is basically closed with the way that the the rest of the West looks, especially with the Warriors getting Clay back and and how they did in the draft, and then obviously with the Lakers re-upping and revamping their roster, and then. I mean, with the East, I think it's so crazy how the conversation turned so quickly to, all right, well, now it's back to if the Brooklyn Nets are healthy, it's them in, in the finals and completely disregarding the Bucks. But I think it's realistically the truth. I mean, me too. I, I think the Bucks would have a chance. But yeah, I think, you know, if those guys are healthy, I don't really see anyone in the East stopping them. Yeah. So, all right, Harrison. We really appreciate you taking the time tonight to to come on the show. To you are one of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. You are the editor in chief of an amazing site at Silver Screen and Roll, the Lakers SB Nation affiliate. So Harrison, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find your work? Yeah, so I mean, thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys like letting me rant and rave about my like Lakers offseason takes for an hour and a half. <laughs> um, you know, and I appreciate the kind words. You can find me on Twitter at HMFAIGEN at HMFagan. And then all of my work is at silverscreenenroll.com, which is also where we have our podcast, which you can find in any podcatching app, which is uh, Silver Screen and Roll. Just, you, just search the name of the website and you will find our podcast. We have shows five days a week. I am thankfully for your ears after listening to an hour and a half of me only on one of them but uh we you know we have some good shows and we also have a a new daily show called lakers lowdown that is like a quick 10 minute recap of what went on in lakers news the day before with some quick takes and you know i think it's been a really great addition and i really enjoy listening to all of our podcasters and i don't just say that because i'm required to plug it by law that's so funny that you guys call it the lakers lowdown because our normal lakers segment on the show we call it the lake show lowdown <laughs> I mean, it's like, look, there are only so many alliterative names, I know. Uh, you know, that you can go with for Lakers. But, I, you know, I look forward to our upcoming lawsuit. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll be looking forward to that cease and desist letter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we can both send each other one. And then my, my understanding of laws that cancels them out. So I think we're good at that point. But. Perfect. Sounds good to me. <laughs> um, but all right, Harrison, we, we usually end the show with uh, some shout outs. So I'm going to shout out you, obviously, of course, for coming on the show again. And then Harrison, do you have a shout out you wanted to give? Uh, I would like to shout out to my wife for allowing me to put off our anniversary trip for like two weeks because the NBA scheduled free agency during the <laughs> time of year that we planned our wedding so that it would not conflict with free agency or the season. Uh, so she is the real MVP as always. Always. That's a smart, that's a smart shout out right there. It's not because she can hear me. I, I, <laughs> she definitely can't hear me from the room that I'm podcasting in. You're I'm not smart, afraid. You're a smart man. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, shout out Harrison for coming on. Um, I did want to give a quick shout out to uh, my girl, Brianna Stewart, Seattle Storm, uh, hoops legend. She's coming off an Achilles injury where now she has won uh, Olympic gold, uh, FIBA championship, a WNBA championship, Commissioner's Cup championship, and MVP in all four of those games. Wow. Uh, she, she's a stud. She's one of the greatest and she's in Seattle. So I got, I got to, got to shout out the Seattle hoop star. All right. Well, thank you again, Harrison. We look forward to having you on the sports kingdom show again soon with that. That wraps up episode 207 of the TSK show for Tyler Pacholke. I'm Eric, the Duke of sports Sklar. Be sure to rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, 
or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke and, of course, at HM Fagan and at Lakers SBN. We appreciate you all so much for listening to us. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.